Welcome, I'm Doug Morgan, and you're listening to Uncommon Sense, where we hunt for the truth in the topics you're not supposed to talk about, Christianity and politics. Tomorrow marks 20 years since the attacks of 9-11 on our country. There are always times in our life that you will just never forget where you were or what was happening at the time. And at the time, I owned a business and I had been working till the wee hours of the morning, just like a lot of small business owners. And I finally was able to go to bed. But just a few hours later, my wife woke me up and said that I needed to see something on the news. I turned on the TV just in time to see the second plane hit the towers. And it was an awful feeling. And one I will never forget. But as I'm reminded quite often, time flies. And I realized just a couple days ago that if you are right now age 25 or younger, you don't remember anything about that day. It is very similar to Pearl Harbor and what that is for me. I did not experience it. And all I have to understand it and learn from it is what I am taught and and what I see through the lens of history. So with that in mind, I want to take a quick look at what actually happened 20 years ago. And what is being taught today about it? Yahoo News and Britannica gives us a detailed look at how the the day's events unfolded. And this was Tuesday, the 11th of September, 2001. And it began as a normal day. In both New York City and Washington, D.C., the morning weather was sunny and clear, and students went to school. Workers went to the office, and about 17,000 people commuted to their jobs at the World Trade Center. By the end of the day, the world had changed, and the United States had suffered its worst ever terrorist attack. Nearly 3,000 people were dead, and history had suddenly veered into a vastly different and more violent trajectory. Now, as far as the World Trade Center goes, at 8.46 a.m., an American Airlines plane crashed into the North Tower of the World Trade Center. On board were 76 passengers and 11 crew members, all of whom were killed instantly. In the minutes that followed, some believe that this was an accident. I can remember when my wife woke me up. And she said, you know, they don't know what happened. They think maybe uh, a jet lost its way or, or something and, and crashed into this tower. It wasn't obviously a fog issue or a sight issue because it was a very sunny day without, without a cloud in the sky. But then at 9.03 a.m., a second plane crashed into the South Tower. And at this point, it was clear that this was no accident. A terrorist attack was underway, conducted by Al-Qaeda and and the Al-Qaeda extremists who had hijacked several planes and were now using them as missiles. It's something that people would have not even been able to imagine 
before that. Fires from the, the crashes at the, the Twin Towers made worse by the, the planes um, igniting the, the jet fuel. Um, badly damaged these, these buildings and the steel that these buildings were made of. And at 9.59 a.m., after burning for 56 minutes, the South Tower collapsed. At 10.28 a.m., the North Tower collapsed as well. As the towers fell, an enormous cloud of dust and ash flooded the surrounding streets, chasing pedestrians as they fled. And debris from the North Tower also fell onto a nearby Seven World Trade Center building and causing it to catch fire and eventually collapse. In total, 2,753 people died in the New York City attacks alone. I can still remember video uh, watching, it really wasn't even video, I mean it was live coverage of people that couldn't even get out of the towers before they collapsed because people were jumping from the windows trying to escape the fire. And these bodies were coming down and hitting the sidewalk. I can, I'll, I'll never forget the sound of those bodies hitting the sidewalk and people not really hardly able to get in and out of the buildings because they were afraid they're going to get hit by these, these people that were falling. It was a terrible sight. At the Pentagon, at 9.37 a.m., a third plane crashed into the west wall of the Pentagon in Arlington, Virginia. And this is near Washington, D.C. All 64 people on the plane were killed, along with 125 people in the building. The crash caused part of the building to collapse and started a fire that took several days to put out. Many of the survivors in the building were badly burned, and 106 people were injured in total. But that wasn't it. There was another plane, and that was Flight 93. A, a fourth plane, United Airlines Flight 93, met a different fate, though. According to the 9-11 Commission report issued years later, passengers managed to overpower the hijackers on this plane and stop them from reaching their target. Since all of those who were on the, the flight perished, details on what happened exactly were a little sketchy, but investigators believe at a certain point after four terrorists took control of Flight 93, some of the plane's passengers learned of the attack on the Twin Towers and the, and the Pentagon. And suspecting that the hijacking uh, they were experiencing was a part of the same plot, a group of brave civilians stormed the cockpit. What happened next is not exactly clear, but voice recordings indicate that there was a violent struggle between the passengers and the terrorists. And shortly after the confrontation, the plane crashed into a field near Shanksville, Pennsylvania, at 10.03 a.m. All 44 people aboard were killed. Investigators believe the hijackers' intended target was the White House or even the Capitol building. And police and fire departments in New York were especially hit hard by these attacks. Hundreds had, had rushed to the scene of the attacks, and more than 400 police officers and firefighters were killed as well. In total, the September 11 attacks killed 2,977 people at the time. Thousands of volunteers and rescue workers sifted through the ruins of the World Trade Center, then known as Ground Zero, 
to, to look for survivors, uh, recover bodies, and, and clean up the wreckage. The effort took until the 30th of May 2002 when the last piece of steel was removed. Many of those who worked on the, on the cleanup developed illnesses, including cancers from you know, breathing in the tox- toxic dust. And it is believed that more than 2,000 first responders who worked on site have since died from cancers that have been linked to the 9-11. One of the, the cries from the political left was, what did we do to make them attack us? That, that was, it was heard constantly. It was just simply a constant mantra for days, weeks, and even months after. But what they don't understand is that this was part of a spiritual thing. This was an attack by Muslim terrorists on the most powerful Christian nation in the world. The buildings that were hit were targeted for a particular reason. These, these were not just like random targets. The World Trade Center towers were, were targeted for financial reason, reasons. The Pentagon, because it was the military headquarters, and the White House was a representative of our government. This, this combined with the fact that Osama bin Laden, the, the leader of the militant Islamic organization Al-Qaeda, held n- naive beliefs about the United States in the, the run-up to the attacks. Bin, bin Laden became increasingly convinced that America was weak. He saw what happened to the United States in, in, in Beirut when the bombing of the Marines base led them to flee from, from uh, Lebanon. And, and, and this thing killed 241 American servicemen. Bin Laden believed that the United States was what he called a paper tiger, a belief shaped not just by Americans' departure from Lebanon, but also by the withdrawal of American forces from Somalia in 1993, following the deaths of 18 servicemen uh, in, in Mogadishu, and the American pullout of, of Vietnam even in the 70s. Osama had had tried to bomb one of the trade towers while Clinton was president with a with a car bomb. It did not have the effect that that uh, you know he had anticipated, and he needed to find a way to hit the U.S. harder. The September 11 plot demonstrated that Al Qaeda was an organization of global reach. Now, the plot played out across the globe with with planned meetings in in Malaysia. Uh, operatives uh, taking uh, flight lessons right here in the United States, coordination with uh, plot leaders based in Hamburg, Germany, and money transfers uh, from Dubai even. And, 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 and you, we also saw recruitment of suicide operatives from com- countries around the Middle East. All activities that were ultimately overseen by Al-Qaeda leaders uh, from Afghanistan. Now, Let's look a little bit at the aftermath of what happened on 9-11. The emotional distress caused by the attacks, particularly the collapse of the, of the Twin Towers, New York City's most visible landmark. I mean, they, were, they were these tall things that, that were seemed like, in seemingly almost every picture of New York City. What was, it was just overwhelming. Unlike the relatively isolated site of, of Pearl Harbor, uh, and, and the attack in, in 1941, to which the, the September events were oftentimes compared to. 
the the World Trade Center lay at the heart of one of the world's largest cities. Hundreds and of thousands of people witnessed the attacks firsthand. Many onlookers photographed events or recorded them uh, with their you know video cameras and cell phones and that type of thing. And millions watched the tragedy unfold live on TV, just like myself. In the days that un, un that, that followed September 11th, the footage of the attack was uh, was replayed in the in the media countless times as were the scenes of the throngs of people stricken with grief and gathering at ground zero as, as the site where the towers once stood. And, and, and they would bring photos of, of missing loved ones, uh, trying to, you know, have some, some little bit of hope that somebody had seen their loved one. Uh, moreover, world markets were badly shaken. The towers were at the heart of New York's financial district. And, Damage to the lower Manhattan infrastructure combined with fears of stock market panic. And I mean, people just didn't know what was going to happen. Uh, this all kept New York stock markets closed for four trading days. And, and markets afterwards suffered record losses. The attacks also stranded tens of thousands of people throughout the United States as the U.S. Uh, airspace remained closed for commercial aviation until September 13th. And normal service with more rigid security measures did not resume for several days. For the, for the first time in, in its history, the North Atlantic Treaty Organization, of course, we know it as NATO, uh, invoked Article 5, which is it's allowing its members to respond collectively in self-defense. And that's what NATO is about, is these countries that all um, say, if you, if you attack one, you attack all, and, and we're all going to respond. And they invoked that. And on, on October 7th, the U.S. and Allied military force launched an attack against Afghanistan. Within months, uh, thousands of, of militants were killed or captured. And Taliban and al-Qaeda uh, leaders were driven uh, into hiding. In, in addition, the U.S. government um, you know, uh, exerted great effort to track down other al-Qaeda um, agents and, and sympathizers throughout the world and made, um, you know, combating terrorism, the focus of us foreign policy. So that brings us today and, and the 20th anniversary of this tragedy to, to the phrase, never forget the phrase, never forget was, was heard everywhere following the attacks. But as so often is the case, human nature takes over and we do forget. At time, it, it, things pass and, and, and time passes. And the lessons and accounts of the tragedy, they, they just get lost. As we have seen even very recently, facts are turned 180 degrees from the truth. As it was back when the tragedy happened and there was a call to understand why they would attack us, we see this same mentality today. It, it had to be our fault. If it was not for us, then everyone would just be happy, right? Now we are, now we are seeing those that are responsible for the attacks now being considered the victims of it. 
this is a spiritual thing. Make make no no bones about it. This is a spiritual thing. The Quran tells Muslims to kill those that do not believe in Islam. There are many Muslim groups that will will pay families of suicide bombers once the attack is made. So that way they know that, you know, if the suicide bomber is killed, who's going to take care of their family? Well, they're taken care of as long as this was a suicide bomber in the name of Islam. They are taught that there are many advantages to dying while fighting for Islam. One of which is that, you know, you will immediately go uh, to the afterlife with 40 virgins. Today, we see that what is being taught is, is, is that there's no responsibility on the part of the Muslim faith. This was not a Muslim thing at all. And placing responsibility there is perpetuating the problem, is what is being taught. They are the victims, not us. So it's 180 degrees from the truth. Now, on Friday, August 27th, the Virginia Department of Education posted a webinar in which a speaker trains teachers not to discuss Islamic extremism or American exceptionism, exceptionalism. While teaching about the the 9-11 attacks, she She's guiding them instead to focus on anti-Muslim racism. This, this is disturbing, and, and, I, and this is why I wanted to bring it up. Because this is what we're seeing. This is 20 years later from 9-11, and we are so far from what it was all about. 9-11 was not about anti-Muslim racism. But what teachers are being taught to teach students in the public education system is that it was. Now, the, the speaker, Amara DeCurie, a, she's a, a professional lecturer at American University. She says that her recommendations, quote, don't reflect the views and opinions, unquote, of the state agency. She describes herself as president of Paragon Education and Consulting, LLC, and DeCurie's husband is Muhammad Mahid, the imam, or prayer leader, at Al Dulles Area Muslim Society Center. They have an acronym of ADAMS. And she has been a regular speaker with Muslim organizations, including the Islamic Circle of North America, which which have circulated ideas similar to the ones that she's recommending here. However, earlier this year, Virginia Governor Northam, he announced that she is a member of the state's um, culturally relevant and inclusive education practices advisory committee. How'd you like to be, how'd you like to be a part of that? (laughs) Also the state education uh, agencies, communications officials, uh, posted videos titled Culturally Responsive and Inclusive 9-11 Communication, unquote, on their agency's official YouTube channel. And it featured the, the Virginia Department of Education's 
Ed Equity VA logo. The name on its first slide is this, with each slide in the presentation carrying the agency's official logo. So the, the agency is advertising the video as part of its Ed Equity VA, Virginia, webinar series. In addition, Ecuri thanked Virginia Education Secretary Af, uh, Adif Quarney for his support. She, she said she presented him with her recommendations before presenting the remarks to the public. So, in other words, they knew exactly who she is and what she was teaching. And they not only made her a part of the teacher training, but they endorsed it. Now, I want you to listen to part of this webinar and what she's recommending. Now, this, is, this was a two-hour webinar um, video, but, but we're going to take a couple clips, and I want you to hear what she's saying. We are not going to reproduce a false assumption of Muslim responsibility for 9-11. We're just going to begin right there and name that there is no responsibility, and therefore we're not going to use this space to try and untangle that. So the 9-11 attacks had nothing to do with Islam or Muslim terrorists. It just boggles the mind that this is where we're at today, and this is what we're teaching our kids. And this is what we're teaching our teachers even. To teach our kids. Now, the webinar has bullet point notes of things that are in and things that are out. Let me read to you a couple things here. These were the things that were in. Extend expectations of equity for Muslims. Not equality, but equity again. Humanization of Muslim students. Like, Muslim students are dehumanized in some way? I don't know. Acknowledgement of anti-Muslim racism. So again, we're supposed to acknowledge the fact that we're racist and this time against Muslims. I'm not sure how we can be racist against a religion because a religion isn't a race of people, but we're supposed to acknowledge the fact that we have anti-Muslim racism. Okay. And then we're supposed to sink, seek to learn and be in a learning community. So in other words, we're supposed to learn all about this thing about how we're being racist against a religion. These are the things that are out. The false assumption of Muslim responsibility for 9-11. So the fact that the terrorists that did this, There's there were 19 and they all died. These 19 terrorists, they were not Muslim? No, they were all Muslim. And in fact, we know who, who was responsible for uh, organizing this. We know the, the, the group, we know the individuals. And they were all Muslim. And they did this for Muslim reasons. But there was a false assumption, she says, of Muslim responsibility for 9-11. She also says that reproduction of anti-Muslim rhetoric is out. So if you hear of anything that is anti-Muslim or anything that makes the 
Islamic faith look bad. Well, that's out. We don't, we don't teach on that kind of stuff. And the other thing that's out is any discussion or analysis of U.S. foreign policy. So, so we, we aren't going to talk to our kids. We aren't going to teach them history. We're not going to analyze U.S. foreign policy and what happened after 9-11. We're not going to talk about any of that. That, that kind of stuff, that's, that's so yesterday, right? Let's listen to another clip. And we're also not going to reproduce what's understood as American exceptionalism. This understanding that America is a land at the top of a beautiful mountain and that all other countries, nations, and people are less than America. So if you think that the U.S. is better than any other nation, then you are sadly a part of the problem. (laughs) That, according to her, we have to teach our children that there is nothing special about this country. She goes on to say that it's going to be important as we begin to plan our 9-11 lessons in a way that does not seek to reproduce anti-Muslim racism. We're, we're not going to reproduce notions that American history and American experiences are more significant than the, than the experiences uh, or histories of other peoples, is what she says. She says, we are going to begin with a common understanding of our shared humanity, regardless of our national, racial, uh, linguistic, or religious origins. She says, do not use this day to amplify the extremists themselves, and don't use the day to amplify their acts on 9-11. You name what happened, and that's it she adds. So we aren't any better. We, our country isn't any better. Of course, people are people. That's a given. But if you have done any kind of travel around the world at any time, you understand the, just the blessings that we have in this country. Why are so many people trying to come to this country and not others, because we have the freedoms, we have made the choices and the sacrifices in this country, and we are reaping the benefits for it. But we're not supposed to talk about that. We're not supposed to talk about the fact that our country is better than, well, name any other country in North Africa or something. We're not supposed to talk about that, because that's just an assumption. We're not supposed to amplify what happened. We're not supposed to talk about what happened on 9-11. She knows, I, I choose to use the word extremists, and I use this based on the scholarship of other scholars and, and activists in the community that will also use this word to describe the perpetrators of the crimes associated with 9-11. So we can't even call them terrorists. We can't use that word. Well, uh, Azra Normani, she's the vice president of strategy and investigations at Parents Defending Education, and she said this. We are not going to reproduce a false assumption of Muslim responsibility for 9-11.
We're just going to begin right there and name that there is no responsibility. And therefore, we're not going to use this space to try and untangle that. Right there, she's suggesting teachers use the word extremists instead of terrorists to further disrupt this false equivalency of Muslims and terrorism. She also warned of the consequences of teaching American exceptionalism instead of turning the focus to shared humanity. The video was posted on the Virginia Department of Education's YouTube channel, and it's about two hours long. In a statement to Fox 5, the VDOE says this webinar was part of a series intended to help teachers create welcoming and affirming classrooms for all students, and in this specific case, to provide support to Muslim students who may be subject to bullying around the anniversary of 9-11. However, parents like Asar Namani with the Parents Defending Education are blasting this video. She says, as an American Muslim, she is deeply offended. I was so disturbed by the politics of what the speaker was trying to bring into the classroom. What she is doing is she is trying to minimize the reality of an extremist interpretation within Islam that motivated the hijackers that did the 9-11 attacks. And she's trying to pivot to a victimhood for Muslim students and have teachers instead focus on the issue of anti-Muslim racism. And she is exactly right. On this, the 20th anniversary of 9-11, they want us to focus on racism and not on what actually happened. Let's reject the politics that they are trying to play here and do what we said that we would do. Never forget. I would love to hear for you, from you on this. Please send us an email. Let us know. You can go to UncommonSensePodcast.com to do that. And thank you for listening. This podcast is a production of Morganite Communications.